If you have your Bibles, we are going to be in the book of Hebrews chapter 12. We have been in Hebrews now for a number of weeks. We will be in Hebrews for a number of weeks yet. Um, I, I believe I may have mentioned this last Sunday. If I didn't, let me just go ahead and mention to you. Um, this is several months in advance, but beginning in January, we will be working our way through the entire Bible over the, the 12 months of 2021. So we will work through a reading plan together as a church, and we will preach through the Bible every Sunday in 2021. You will work through studying the Bible um, from Genesis to Revelation in your life groups. So 2021 will be the year of the Bible here at Malvern Hill as we seek to really dig in and all kind of be together on a, on a plan to read, to preach, to study, to teach, to learn. So um, hopefully that will be uh, a good opportunity for you and we will be getting more resources out to you. But what is the primary resource we're going to get to you? God's Word um, and a reading guide. And I, I want we're going to start talking it up a lot because I want to remind you that you can read through the Bible in a year. It's actually possible. It doesn't take near as long as you might think. Uh, somewhere for most readers in the neighborhood of 10 to 12 minutes per day will get you through the Bible in a year. If you're a fast reader, you might do it in 7 or 8 minutes a day. And if you're a slow reader, it might take you 13 or 14 minutes a day. But in 10 to 12 minutes, most people can read through the entire Bible in a year. And so we're going to get you a Bible reading guide out. And we're going to read from Genesis all the way through Revelation. We're going to preach from Genesis all the way through Revelation. We're going to life group from Genesis all the way through Revelation. And hopefully, God will, and we're going to live from Genesis all the way through Revelation. And as a result of that time together, we're going to know God's Word better. And then we're going to pray that God's Word will take root in us in a deeper way. And we will be changed through it. All right. By now, you should have made it to Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 3. I'm going to ask you to stand with me in honor of God's Word. I did get word that they, they got everything working in the gym, so those folks that are out there, stand with us as well. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Beside this, or besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we have respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. And make straight, your, or make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing... He was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that you would calm our nerves. Father God, heal our panic. 
Help us this morning to take a deep breath from your word. And I pray that your word, Lord God, would heal us, change us, work through us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Are you panicking? This morning I want you to take a deep breath. I want us to all take a deep breath together. That's what I've titled this sermon. Take a deep breath. Fight, flight, flee. Those are the responses that happen when people panic. Pastor Adam made reference to those in his sermon a few weeks ago. That, that's what panic looks like, and it can grip any one of us, sometimes for seemingly good reasons, and other times for what seems to be really no good reason at all. Anyone who's ever worked in our office here at the church for an extended period of time can tell you that I am jumpy. I'm not proud of this, but it's true. They walk out from behind corners or hide in dark places, and they jump out and they scare the lights out of me. Now, for the record, they don't always do it on purpose. Like, they can just walk out of a hallway, and I'm walking down. I'm in my own little world, and y'all, I just, I, I, I'm in a mess. When Luke Talbert worked here, uh, or served here, he loved to find me engrossed in my studies. So I could be poring over a book in my office, in, in God's Word even, or sitting at my computer, and not paying attention or even knowing that the world around me was what was happening. And he would walk up, and if I didn't see him, he would kick my door just as hard as he could. And y'all, I would come out of my seat. Of course, it's not always physical threats that can induce panic, stress, deadlines, pandemic, presidential elections. All of these things can induce panic in our lives. Panic can jump on us from nowhere or everywhere. But when it comes to our faith, we have to run from panic and run to Jesus. The Hebrews to whom this book was written were in a tight spot and were in danger of beginning to panic. And with that in mind, they were encouraged with the words we've already read this morning. Let's look at these three, or three points, I believe, that can really highlight the message that the writer to the Hebrews was trying to communicate. The first thing I want us to do when we're tempted to panic is to study our situation. Study your situation. Is it as bad as it seems? Now, Angela loves to tell people how bent out of shape I can get when I hear a strange sound in the house in the middle of the night. Kids can cry. Dogs can whimper. I never hear any of it, okay? I don't. Moms, judge me all you want. That's fine. It's just it is what it is. They can scream in the middle of the night. I don't hear anything when they're calling for us. Uh, but a tree limb falls three houses down. I jump out of the bed, and I'm ready to go. Several nights ago, our dog ran up the stairs in the middle of the night. Uh, and I jumped out of bed like I was some action hero ready to defend our fortress of a home against all intruders. I jumped out of the bed, and then I noticed that it wasn't a threat in our home. It was just Toby running up the steps. And y'all, Angela was still laughing about it the next morning. She thinks it's so funny when I... Uh, in her words, overreact to these situations. But you know what? She wouldn't think it was funny if it was a real intruder, would she? She'd have been glad. You need to remember that, honey. <laughs> you know, there was no threat that night, but I'm going to tell you, I was ready to go, and I just saw him. He just come up there, and there he was. He just wanted to come hang out with his favorite dad in the whole wide world. I said, hey, buddy, what are you panicking over? Is it as bad as it seems? Do you know a lot of times the things we panic over just aren't as bad as we think they are? There are a lot of times in life when we jump up and we're ready to go and the reality is the only thing that's there is the dog coming up the steps to curl up on his bed 
at the foot of your bed. Usually the things that are, that, are, that are so hard on us just aren't as bad as it seems. We purchased a home a year ago, and, and y'all, I, I, don't, I can't explain this to you. I'm not generally a worrier. I tell most people I worry about five things in the whole wide world. There are five things in the world that cause me concern. And it's, it's my wife and my four children. And if your last name isn't Thompson and you're not one of those people, listen, I love you and I care about you, I probably just don't lose sleep over you. And, and I don't mean that ugly. Like I, I'm, able, I'm able to be concerned for you at 10 o'clock at night and to be concerned for you at 5.30 the next morning, but to turn it off in the hours in between. Uh, but, but about this time last year, uh, we, we had just closed on our house. So, so in the month of September, we were in the process of moving, of selling a home and purchasing a home. And y'all, it just stressed me out to no end. I, I couldn't, I, I don't know why, but I, I struggled to deal with it. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating. I was irritable. I was tired. I was angry. I was all of the things. Listen, the moment that we closed on that house, I looked back and I said, why did you allow all of this stuff to bother you so much. Y'all, a lot of times we just need to step back as best we can and take an objective outsider's view of the situation we find ourselves in. What are we panicking over? This was the case with the Hebrews. The writer of the Hebrews sends this letter to them and he says, Hey, I want y'all, before you freak out, before you lose your faith, I want us to step back just a moment and to consider exactly what it is that you're wrestling with. Consider, he says, he who endured. Folks, in the original, the tense there is pretty strong. This is not, hey, y'all, just think about Jesus. This is more like, hey, suck it up and look at what Jesus went through. This is sort of one of those, those freaking out moments and somebody throwing cold water in your face and saying, stick with it, man. Slap your right. Come here, listen, pay attention. He wanted them to know that even though they were experiencing some turmoil for their faith and some even mild persecution, the world wasn't ending. Consider him who endured. Look at what Jesus went through. He goes on and he says, In your struggle against sins, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Our writer here is very to the point and takes the old basketball adage a little bit too far, doesn't he? No blood, no foul, guys. Y'all are freaking out. Y'all are worried about your faith. He says, but listen, the only thing you've been is inconvenienced. Inconvenienced. And you're allowing that bit of inconvenience to drive you to a place of panic. What about your situation? Is it as bad as it seems? Can you try to remove yourself from it and look at, look at it from the outside? Is that job really the end of the world? Is your boss really the devil? If you work here, the answer is no. <laughs> Just look at an example how, how often we lament how dangerous and violent our country is. It's, it's so much worse than it was back then. Well, y'all got to help me figure out when back then was. Because according to FBI crime statistics, our country is safer today than it has been in at least 40 years. So hate on me when I let my kid ride their bike around the neighborhood. Guess what? They're safer than your kid was when you let your kid ride their bike 10 miles. The world's actually safer today than it was. Well, it doesn't feel that way. Well, why doesn't it feel that way? Maybe because you've allowed somebody else to tell you how to feel. Maybe you've looked at the wrong things instead of stepping back and taking an objective look. When it comes to our Christian faith, if we're not careful, we can allow our feelings to overwhelm our faith. 
Well, it feels bad. It's hard. Situation is often not as bad as it seems, and it usually doesn't warrant panic. But y'all, nothing seems to induce panic like presidential elections. I mean, we, 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 we saw this when Trump was elected, and we saw the crazy things that people had to say. But I want you to know that eight years, or, yeah, eight years ago, or eight years prior to that, so I guess 12 years ago, when Obama was elected, we saw the exact same thing on the other side. We have a family friend who was sending me information wanting to know, Craig, do you really think he's the Antichrist? I've looked at all the numbers. I added everything up and look at And I'm, I'm getting like 15 pages worth of documents that's going, I think it could be. Y'all, the next time you want to make fun of that person that's freaking out because Donald Trump got elected, just remember there might be somebody sitting on the other end of your pew that acted that way when Barack Obama got elected some years back. Why? Because we allow all these things to jump up inside our head instead of stepping back and going, you know what? God's still in control and he's still seated on his throne. We're worried about persecution. Folks, we might see it one day in this country. But are you kidding me? We live in the most religious free, or not religious free, the, the, the country with the greatest degree of religious freedom of any country on God's planet earth. Do you realize that? Does that mean that we should not continue to fight to make sure those freedoms are not, uh, are not eroded away? No, we should continue to advocate. But let's be honest about where we live. Nobody's threatening us because we're gathered to worship today. Be objective about exactly what it is that we're doing. Study your situation. Is it as bad as it seems? But it's not just broad, right? Sometimes it's those smaller situations. Is your situation really as bad as it seems? Are your kids really that bad? Is your job really that bad? I've, I've, and, and then we'll move past this, but, but I've, I've had to have conversations with a lot of people. I uh, talked with a guy uh, a few weeks ago. He's a teacher, and, and uh, he, he, uh, this was the week that school started, and, and he was in complete panic mode. He said, this is so hard. I just can't do it. We're doing this and we're doing this and nothing's, nothing's, I'm not able to do anything as well as I want to do it. Everything I want to do, I can't do as well as I would like to do it. And they got me in front of a camera and they got me this. I looked at him and I said, brother, I love you. And I hear you and I empathize with you. But this is what I've been doing for six months and it's going to be okay. Well, I don't like it. I said, dude, I don't like it either, but it's life. Sometimes we just got to step back from our situation and go, it's not perfect, but it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. We've had to do a lot of that in 2020, haven't we? It's not perfect, but it's going to be all right. Study your situation. Second, I want you to remember whose you are. What if it is bad? All right, that's fine. Sometimes it is. Okay? Now, that still doesn't mean you should panic. Panic is almost never the best option. Right? It's almost never the best option. Because when I panic, I either fight, flight, or flee. I do one of those things. But I, you know what I don't do? I don't stop and think. <laughs> I just react. Remember whose you are. What if it is bad? Remember who you are. The Bible goes on right here. It says, the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be wary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Folks, there's something within us that wants to say when things get hard. Well, I guess God just doesn't care about me anymore. Did God forget me? Folks, the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. Sometimes God puts those of us or those whom he loves in the most difficult places, in the hardest spots. Because God has a plan and a position and intention for you in your life. 
I've got two brothers. Y'all heard me say that before. And uh, so I've got a biological brother, and then I've got another brother uh, who was never legally adopted. He, he's sort of, my dad, my dad says he was a stray dog. He took up with us one day and never left. Uh, he's my favorite brother, though, so we'll, we'll put it that way. I, if either of them are watching, I'm in a world of hurt. But, um, uh, but one, one of my brothers, my, my, my adopted brother, um, he came into our family when we were teenagers. And, and it was sort of a slow process, and, and eventually he just became folded all the way in. And if you can imagine what that process looked like for my parents, he, he never lived with us when we were teenagers. But um, as, as my parents kind of began to, to take him on more as, than just a friend out there, and then, then he becomes a, a really close friend, and then he becomes a, a part of the family. But then he, he becomes not just like an appendage of the family, he becomes an actual son within the family. You know, the guy that's, that's, that's getting the Christmas gifts at Christmas and the guy that's getting all... But, but the last stage in that process of him becoming a son in the family, I remember it like it was yesterday. We were probably in our early 20s. We're all the same age, all three of us. We're, both, we're all three born in 81. I was born in, fe- in February. Seth was born in, in June. And Jeff was born in, in December. And so we were all somewhere in our early 20s. And we were working on something and I don't remember exactly what, but we broke it. Whatever I, I remember that specifically. Whatever we were working on, we broke it. We were out in my dad's shop, and, and we had to, you know, it's, it's always embarrassing at that point in time where you're like, hey, old man, we, uh, we, we did something wrong. You're going to have to help us. You know, we're hanging our head in shame. And my dad comes out, and he looks at us, and, 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 and hear me say, this was not in a, in a derogatory way, but he communicated his point, and he said, what were you idiots doing? And I was like, I don't know, you know. But for Seth, he called him an idiot. Y'all, that was a moment of chastisement. It was the first time that he was ever chastised by my dad. It was the first time that he ever, even as a young man, that he ever heard my dad speak to him, not just in in a generic sense, but speak to him in the same breath that he spoke to his sons. With the same language. And it was a bit derogatory, and it was disciplinary, and it was, it was a reprimand for whatever that we had done. Do you know he bragged about that for weeks? He went inside, he looked at my mom, he said, he called me an idiot. He called me an idiot. And I'm like, dude, I've been dealing with this my whole life. Not really that. I mean, as a young kid, my dad obviously wouldn't have done that. But, but I mean, that, that was what, and, and, but it, that was a moment, right? where he was reprimanded by my dad. And in that moment, he knew that he was fully enveloped in love because he heard from my father, you messed up and you should have known better. God disciplines those whom he loves. The fact that we endure difficult things as children of the king means that we belong to the king. But here's the encouragement that you might need to hear today. You're still a child of the king. You're not alone. God disciplines those whom he loves. But you need to remember whose you are. Before you panic, remember whose you are. Remember who has you. Remember whatever you're going through, your heavenly father is your father. He is not surprised. He is in control. What do you do, dads, when your children are scared? Especially your young kids. You pick them up and you hold them. And you say, you don't need to be afraid because I am right here. That's a wonderful thing about little children. And they reach a point where that doesn't work anymore. But there's this great thing when your kids are really small. 
and they're scared at night, and you can hold them, and you can cuddle them up in your bed, and you can say, you're safe. Well, I'm scared. Well, you don't need to be afraid. Because you're in, you're in my house and daddy's here and daddy will protect you. And folks, it's the best feeling in the world when they're small enough that they believe every single word of that. It's hard when they begin to venture out into the world and they come to realize that I might not be able to be there every, every turn. And it's hard for me as a dad to recognize that I can't be there every single turn. We have to trust them in God's care. Remember whose you are. It's okay to be concerned. It's okay to endure hard things. But folks, you're not going through it all by yourself. And this is what the writer of the Hebrews wants them to hear. Listen, you're not alone. You're not alone. You've not yet gone through as bad of things as you think you are. But even if it gets bad, I want you to remember God disciplines those whom He loves. And the evidence of difficult things in your life is not necessarily evidence that God has forgotten you. It may very well be evidence that God has you right where He wants you and God needs you to learn something. God is chastising you. He's teaching you. He's shaping you. He's molding you. And He's changing you. You know, discipline is never fun in the moment. Not any kind of discipline. But what does discipline yield? Fruit of righteousness. God disciplines us to make us over into His image. To build in us a a, a holiness. To make us look more like Jesus. Remember whose you are. Third this morning, fortify your faith. You know, when things are hard, when you're tired, when life is hard, it is even more important that you fortify your faith. Because it's in those difficult days, those hard moments, that we are incredibly susceptible to temptation. Look with me, verse 12. Therefore lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. When things are hard, when you're tired, when life is hard, you've got to fortify your faith. Why was our preacher, our writer here adamant that they strengthened their faith in hard days? Since God hasn't forgotten you, we've got to remember that we shouldn't forget Him and we must not forget to pursue holiness. It's during difficult days that we become most vulnerable to temptation. When you're in a hard place, when you're tired, when you're beat up, rather than running and hiding, run to Jesus and run to God's people. But watch this. Because I think sometimes we can say that it it kind of takes on this sort of generic thought. Run to accountability in hard days. I I, I really want to help you stretch some flesh over these bones. I'll never forget a man that looked at me in the middle of a really, really dark season in his life. And he said to me, he said, pray that I won't lose my faith. Folks, this was a man with a faith that was mountaintop, right? Strong faith, but he was going through a dark, deep valley and he looked to me and he asked for accountability and he asked for prayers and he was honest pray that I won't lose my faith y'all when life gets hard the devil starts whispering into our ear our flesh gives him a welcome audience doesn't it when life gets hard I want to generally run from God's people I don't know there's something within us that when, 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 when things start going south, 
rather than running to the church, we sort of want to cocoon ourselves in our homes, run from the people of God, run from the places where we can find support and care. But that's the opposite of what we need to do. He says, strengthen your weak knees. He wants them to be reminded that they are especially vulnerable. In this particular moment, they are at a place of incredible uh, vulnerability. They can be tempted. They could be tempted to even walk away from their faith. So he says, strengthen your weak knees. Folks, who do you run to within your church body? What Christian believer do you know when life gets hard that you call them on the phone and you say, not just pray for me because I'm going through a difficult time, but will you pray specifically that I wouldn't fall into this particular temptation? Life is hard for me, so will you pray for my marriage? Will you pray that in this difficult, dark day that neither of us would be tempted to stray? I've got a lot on my plate. I can't seem to fit everything into the day right now. Would you pray specifically that I would make time for God's Word because right now finding that extra 15 minutes is just difficult? Would you pray specifically for me because I'm in a bad place and I believe that, that I, I'm, gonna, I, I'm very tempted to lose my temper with my children. Would you pray for me that I wouldn't provoke my children to anger but instead I would bring them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord? When's the last time that you got really specific with somebody about how it is that they might pray for your weak knees? How it is that they might pray for your weak journey of faith? Do you know that we all go through those difficult days? All of us. Everybody. But when we decide that we're going to walk through them on our own, it's when we find ourselves most vulnerable. The writer of the Hebrews writes him a letter and he says, Hey, I know what you're going through, so you, you, better, you better strap up. You better find a way to strengthen up. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. What, what is that? Why, why would he talk about striving for peace? Because when everything else seems to be going south, what are we often looking to do? Find somebody else we can blame, don't we? I've got to find a scapegoat when things are wrong in my life. It's amazing how and, and, and sad how we can see things just kind of snowball in people's lives. Folks, the writer of the Hebrews... Um, is, is, is not building this, um, this, this rosy picture of what the Christian life looks like. He's getting down to some real brass tacks issues of the Christian life. He says it's sometimes difficult, it's sometimes challenging. But in those hard days, I need you. I need you to double down in your faith because it's in those difficult days that you can be most tempted to fall, fall away. What does all that have to do with you and me? In conclusion this morning, is life scary sometimes? Yeah. We should just be honest about that. It is. Sometimes it's frightening. It's frightening if you're you're retired and you're you're depending on your 401k and the stock market takes a dive. That's scary. It really is. You know, for some folks it's frightening when you're trying to decide if you're going to send your kids back to school in the middle of a pandemic. For some of you, it's it's frightening because you don't know what the job situation is around the next corner. These things can be really scary, and life can be hard. When the doctor gives a diagnosis you don't want, it's hard. When your kids that live three counties away call and they're struggling in their marriage, it's hard. When your wife comes home from work and she says, I don't even know if we can keep making this work, it's hard, it's scary. 
What do we do in those moments? We're tempted to panic. Fight, flight, or flee, right? And look, we don't generally fight against the sin and the things that are coming at us. We fight against the person in front of us, don't we? We fight against God's plan for our life. We fight against God's care and protection. So instead of panicking, what do we need? We need to take a deep breath. We do this in our home a lot. Kids get off the handle and we say, stop. I need you to take three deep breaths. I don't know if you've ever been in that place. You ever been in that place where you didn't want to take three deep breaths? Be honest with me. You didn't want to because you knew if you took three deep breaths, you might settle down and you didn't really want to settle down. You were ready to go. Some of y'all are better than me, okay? All right? But I've been there before. I told you once, I had a seminary professor, he talked to us, he said, hey, listen, he says, guys, y'all, y'all know, I know all of you, you're non-confrontational, this is kind of who you are, you got to be willing to, to be confrontational occasionally as pastors, and I'm in the back, and I just raised my hand, I said, uh, I said, Dr. Lawless, I appreciate that, I said, but I'd just as soon argue with that brick wall is here, you talking about being non-confrontational, this is getting on my nerves, what do you suggest for me? He said, Craig, sometimes you just need to shut your mouth. <laughs> I know, right? Like, I'm that guy, sometimes I don't want to take three deep breaths. I'm ready to go. Let's do this. I'm with you. I understand. I'm that guy that sometimes wants to overreact. I want to jump all in and let's go. But, but the Bible says, whoa, slow down. Take a deep breath. I want you to first consider Jesus. Consider him. Study your situation. Look at what he went through. You're probably all right. It's probably not quite as bad as you think it is. Second thing, remember whose you are. Some of you didn't have the opportunity to grow up with a good dad. I did. And I'm so grateful for that. So blessed to have had a really great dad. And folks, in difficult days, I'm going to tell you, there's nothing like hearing my dad's voice. Just, just, just to have him call and say, are you okay? I, he doesn't have to do anything but just be there. It's wonderful. Some of you don't have that privilege on this earth, but can I tell you, you have a heavenly Father who is there. Will you remember whose you are? Whose you are? You're not alone in this. And then lastly, this morning, dig into Jesus. Fortify your faith. Why? Because it's all you got. It's all you have in life. It's sometimes scary, but we know the one who's overcome the world, and to him we need not fear. I want to finish with a story, and it's one I've told before, but some of you have never heard. Because there's this temptation within us when life gets hard for us to jump all the way in and forget about everything else. Aubrey broke her leg about six years ago, and uh, she broke it here at the church. She's playing on the playground, jumped, caught her leg, broke her femur. Real nasty mess. Um, but uh, um, we, we didn't know that it was broken. We were bad parents. We kept trying to make her walk it off. Um, and uh, um, it didn't look broken. I mean, nobody here thought it was broken. Those of you that are new members are like, look at y'all, look here. Everybody in the church thought she was fine. She was just being a drama queen. And so uh, we tried to make her walk it off on Saturday. Sunday morning she got up. She still wouldn't put weight on it. So she came to church anyway because she's the preacher's kid. And she showed up at church. And, uh, and Angela said, I'm going to take her to the, to, the, uh, to the emergency room afterwards. She went to the emergency room. They, they x-rayed it. Lo and behold, she's got a, a, a fracture up here in her femur. And we felt like terrible parents. You know, we just felt like terrible parents. Uh, bless her heart. She's just distraught. 
Um, we, we're not sure if we're staring at surgery. We don't know what's ahead of us. But when Angela and Aubrey came home from, I, I think it was from urgent care that afternoon, man, we, we just were just miserable. The whole family, she was depressed. Uh, me and Angela were depressed. And we had a conversation there in that time. Uh, it was about 4.30, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, are, are we going to take her to church tonight? And we wrestled with that question a lot. Um, you know, and, and I, what, what, what do we want to do? And Angela, we were back and forth. And finally, you, you got to know Angela a little bit. Like, she's, she's a legalist. She's a rule follower, which is awesome most of the time. Um, but she just said, you know what? Like, there's no good reason to stay here, so we might as well just go to church. So uh, she loaded Aubrey up, and I was already here, and we brought Aubrey to church in a little red wagon. Some of, you, some of y'all might remember that. And uh, we pulled her around in a red wagon. She had her little leg out, and she was just distraught. She was, uh, she was in 4K. She was just distraught about all of this. And we were, I mean, I, I'm running through how much is this going to cost me? Um, you know, what's this going to do to our family? I mean, all the things that we're trying to figure out. And we came to church anyway. And it was the best thing that ever happened to my daughter. And one of the best things that ever happened in my life. And that's the truth. Because we learned something valuable. See, we were panicking. Because an unexpected thing had happened in our life. And it happened to our daughter. And she was hurting. And we were hurting. And we were scared. But we showed up at church. And because apparently y'all like to gossip. Everybody knew by the time we got here. And so Aubrey's rolling around in her little wagon, and Wyatt was probably pulling her, I don't remember. But by the time she got here, like, she gets pulled all over the church. People brought her teddy bears and candy and balloons. Like, she showed up in a red wagon and left with looking like a candy striper cart. I mean, she was just completely... And our family was overwhelmed with the love of God poured out to us through His church. And the lesson we learned was this. The temptation was for us to run home, lock the door, turn the lights down, turn on a movie, and just hide from everybody and everything because we just wanted to honestly wallow in our struggle and in our pain. That's what we wanted. And that's especially, I mean, Angela's an, an introvert. That's especially what she wanted even more than me. But we came anyway. And what we learned was that God had something for us much bigger than our own pity party. He had something much bigger than our panic. He had encouragement and healing. And my little daughter that was afraid when she got here, left here, ready to take on hell with a water pistol. And it gave us an opportunity to study our situation. Is it really that bad? It's not good, but is it going to be okay? Yeah, everybody breaks bones. She's going to make it. We studied our situation. It gave us a chance to be reminded of whose we were. She remembered, she knew when she left here that she was loved by Jesus and loved by a whole church family of people that were going to make sure she was okay. And finally, it gave us an opportunity to remind her to dig into Jesus. Because y'all, that story still impacts our family. It was a transformative event in our family when we saw what would happen when God's people 
honored God's wishes. When we lived according to what God intended as a part of community and putting him first. Life is scary sometimes, but y'all, we know the one who has overcome the world. And in him we need not fear. There's a, um, there's, a, there's a narrow road that we have to navigate when we're talking about panic. Because for some of you, panic, unfortunately, is a way of life, and it's a struggle that you have every single day. For some folks, panic is a rare event. And yet in that narrow way that we've got to navigate, we've got to offer the hope that exists in the person of Jesus Christ. Who's called us not to fear but to faith. Are you panicking today? Is life hard for you today? Take a deep breath. Study your situation. Maybe you ask somebody else to help you study your situation. They might be able to give you a perspective that you didn't know existed. Remember whose you are. And fortify your faith. God's not finished with you yet. If you're here this morning and you're panicking, if you're in the back, if you're panicking, if you struggle with worry, I just want to invite you this morning. We're inside. You can come up here and I'll pray with you. But you can come and pray around this altar. If you're in the gym, you're welcome to come up here. Pastor Adam's in the back. He'd be happy to pray with you. Listen, I'll just be honest. Some of you just probably need to come and lay your burdens before Jesus and just leave them. Perhaps you're here and you'd like me to pray with you. I'd, I'd, I'd be honored to do that. Maybe you're here today and you say, Craig, I've lived in fear for my whole life because I don't know Jesus Christ. Today can be the day of your salvation. Whatever it is you need, I want you to know that Jesus stands ready to hear your prayers. And as we sing this morning, I want to encourage you to respond. Would you pray with me? Father God in heaven, we give you praise and glory for you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords and we thank you for loving us. Father, would you strengthen our weak knees and our drooping hands? And Father, for those who may be struggling with fear or panic or worry today, Father, may we be reminded that you are gentle and lowly. Lord, us. You don't snuff out smoldering wicks, Lord God, and you don't break bruised reeds, but, Father, you bind them up. You search out the one, Father God, and bring him back to the 99. Lord God, I pray for those who struggle today, that, Father, they would find hope in Jesus. In Christ's name, amen. Stand with us as we sing. If you're at home, if you're at home, we haven't forgotten you. If you're at home and you're struggling with fear or worry today, I want you to know that right where you are, you can pray to Jesus and he hears your prayers. You can leave your struggles with him. He will honor that. Y'all join with us as we sing this morning.